Hello. Welcome back to the audio diary of Aaron Lockman, and welcome specifically to my new mini-series, Unreviewable, in which I attempt to review things that either cannot or should not be reviewed, on a five-star scale. If you are a fan of the Vlogbrothers, or you listen to John Green's podcast The Anthropocene Reviewed, you may be familiar with this premise. Whether this is plagiarism or homage is up to you. All I can say on the matter is that when I first listened to The Anthropocene Reviewed, I was struck by its potent mix of memoir and informative nonfiction, its blending of the objective and subjective, and how cathartic it seemed as a writing exercise. So, here we are. Today, I will be attempting to review Star Trek. Yes, all of Star Trek, be it movie, TV show, the many video games of which I have played only one, and the cultural phenomenon that surrounds the franchise. As you can see from my first episode, I have decided to start small. My first exposure to Star Trek, like many of my early memories, is a bit fuzzy. I have a vague inkling of being eight or nine and walking into my dad's bedroom, where the TV was, and seeing my dad and my brother watching an episode of what I didn't know at the time was Star Trek The Next Generation. I remember holding only a mild interest as I watched our heroes attempt to communicate with a sort of white blinding light inside a glass jar, which flashed repeatedly as it called our heroes big, ugly bags of mostly water. I remember that Data, the white-skinned android with eerie yellow eyes, pointed out that this observation was correct, that humans are indeed mostly water, and that my brother laughed. In those early days, I relied a great deal on my older brother's opinions to let me know what I thought of things, unable to trust my own limited consciousness on whether things were good or bad. Star Trek The Next Generation, I learned, was good. The sixth Harry Potter book was bad. From there, my memory of Star Trek skips forward a little bit, to the time when I was so impatient for the DVD of Star Trek Voyager's pilot episode to arrive in the mail this was back in the days when Netflix still mailed DVDs to your house, that I attempted to stream it illegally online as I sat in the grey, scratchy chair in front of my dad's computer one cloudy afternoon. In a damning indictment of how little progress we've made since then, I remember that I would pause the illegal video for ten minutes or so to let it load, only to find that it hadn't even loaded a few seconds. In the end, I waited for the DVD. And over the next few years, as I slowly watched the entirety of Star Trek Voyager as each subsequent Netflix disc arrived at my house in its tattered white sleeve, Voyager cemented itself into a distinct corner of my heart where it remains to this day, and even now I couldn't tell you why exactly. At that age, I didn't really have the capacity for conscious criticism. I never analyzed stories as I do now, I simply hated the things I didn't like and blindly absorbed the things I did. I can hazard guesses, of course, as to why Voyager stuck. Kate Mulgrew's performance as Captain Catherine Janeway, for instance, is in my opinion still one of the best in Star Trek, as she brought a certain steely human warmth to the role in a way that no other Starfleet captain has. The groundedness of the setting, the grey walls and color-coded uniforms, how nothing ever changed all that much on Voyager, how you could track what season it was through Captain Janeway's hairstyles. To this day, there's something familiar and comforting about Star Trek Voyager and its sister shows from the 80s and 90s. 
It's like arriving home after a long day and seeing your living room wall and thinking to yourself, hmm, that's beige, and being slightly comforted by that thought despite its banal flavor. Now, keeping that reasoning in mind, I understand why most of the Star Trek fandom absolutely hates Voyager. In a series about a ship that gets catapulted clear across the galaxy and has to make a perilous, seemingly impossible trip back to Earth, facing terrifying obstacles from unknown hostile aliens to the psychological claustrophobia that would result from having to live on the same small spaceship for the rest of your life, well, when that series starts to feel predictable, comforting, and safe, then something has obviously gone wrong. <laughs> This lack of payoff pervades the whole series, and even leeches into Kate Mulgrew's fantastic performance. If you just watch one episode, Janeway seems like a level-headed, occasionally irritable, steely-eyed, intensely loyal, and deep-down really kind person who would do anything for her crew. If you watch the entire series in succession, the inconsistency in how she's written turns her into a batshit crazy dictator, committing casual genocide here, tormenting her crew there, and rationalizing her every conflicting decision with dogmatic Starfleet principles that seem to change every week. Voyager was a good idea that flopped spectacularly in its execution, and it's a shame that the first female Starfleet captain to be featured in her own series has become so hated as a result. But actually, let's examine that for a moment. Star Trek prides itself on a sort of cosmopolitan liberal utopianism, the idea that in the future we'll have solved racism and sexism, that people of all skin colors and genders, and even some aliens, will be able to band together, rise above our petty squabbles, and explore the galaxy together in peace. Which is a lovely idea, and its real-world impact has been tremendous. Every self-respecting Trekkie knows the story of how, back during the original series, Nichelle Nichols was thinking of backing out of the show, that despite the fact that she was portraying the first black woman on a major TV show who wasn't a servant, she also wasn't too thrilled with the storylines she was getting. But then, during a conversation with Martin Luther King at a fundraiser, he told her that she couldn't quit because she was a role model to black children everywhere. Eventually, Nichelle Nichols went on to use her fame to recruit astronauts for NASA, including some of the most pioneering African-American astronauts out there, like Guion Bluford and Mae Jemison. And while the last thing I want to do is to devalue that accomplishment, it's important to note that from a modern standpoint, going back and watching the original series is incredibly painful, at least from a political perspective. While Uhura, Sulu, and other minorities on the show at least aren't portrayed as inferior, their stories are largely shunted aside in favor of a focus on Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, three white men. And the writer's treatment of women on that show is downright reprehensible. It's important to remember that while representation on the classic Star Trek series was incredibly revolutionary and an important first step, in the end, it was just that, a first step. Indeed, the thing that bothers me most about the modern J.J. Abrams movies, most of which I seem to like a great deal more than the rest of the fandom, is their continued focus on only Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. There's nothing inherently wrong, of course, with keeping Kirk and Spock's friendship at the center of things, but I understand criticisms of those films which say, you've updated the special effects, now can you update the people of color so they're not just side characters anymore? 
Throughout its nearly 50-year history, you see this tendency in Star Trek. Attempts to be woke, which end up seeming problematic as hell. Or great strides forward, one episode separated from an even greater stride backward. The Next Generation had its fair share of racist and sexist episodes, including one in the first season where Tasha Yar is kidnapped by an entire planet of stereotyped, tribal, violent black people, and another one in the final season where Dr. Crusher basically gets raped by a space ghost and everyone just seems, like, totally fine with it? Deep Space Nine, the best series in my opinion, and the series that arguably explored nuanced ideas about racism and colonialism the most thoughtfully, nonetheless did still have that one incredibly transphobic episode where Quark turns into a woman for the purpose of a zany scheme. And lastly, we return to Voyager and the character of Chakotay. Chakotay is Captain Janeway's first officer, played charmingly by Robert Beltran, and he is Native American. What tribe he is is never quite explained, primarily because the writers in charge of Voyager, in preparation for writing Chakotay, consulted a Native American expert named Jamake Highwater. The trouble with Jamake Highwater, however, was that his name was actually Jackie Marks, and he was a white guy who spent a large chunk of his career claiming to be an Indian and peddling stereotypes and misinformation about Native Americans. And as you can guess, the show's portrayal of Chakotay and his ancestry... yeah, it's, it's, it's not great. <laughs> You can see the pattern emerging. If you've watched Star Trek Discovery as it was coming out this year, you know that it has similar problems, simultaneously making great strides in terms of representation and being racist as all get-out in its portrayal of the Klingons. Liking Star Trek is easy. It succeeded and blossomed into what it is because it captured something really hopeful about us, stirred in us a primal fantasy about being better than we are. Loving Star Trek is a little harder. Too often it hurts when it tries to help, its outstretched hands turning to fists on accident. Still, though, I can't bring myself to dislike Star Trek outright. It's shaped me too much, for better or for worse. I give Star Trek three out of five stars. For more information about the stories I told here, I've linked in the description an excellent drunk history episode about Nichelle Nichols, as well as an informative article about Jamake Highwater. Also, I highly recommend Feminist Frequency's podcast, The Star Trek Discovery Recap Freecast, in which Anita Sarkeesian and Ebony Astor recap each painful episode of the new series and explain, in excruciating and hilarious detail, what makes it so frustrating. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with your friends and leave me a review on iTunes. If you have a recommendation for an unreviewable topic for me to review, let me know on Facebook and Twitter. Next time on Unreviewable, I will attempt to review bisexuality. Spoiler alert, it's gonna get a little awkward. You have been warned.